Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. I always tell people, I'm here with Jana Retzler of 1035. I always tell people what other episodes people should check out. Um, there's a, a lot of cool episodes. So there's one with David Allen of Getting Things Done, one with Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and just different COOs and directors of operations. So check them out. And um, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. And if you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and it may be the 10th time you spent explaining it, there's a better way. There is a solution. Sweet Process is actually a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And you know, I was talking to one of the owners, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So sweet process, you could document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time, your team's time, so you can focus on growing. You can sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit cards required. Go to sweetprocess.com. It's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Check it out. Okay. I'm excited today. We have Jana Retzler, who is the Senior Director of Operations and Project Management at 1035. 1035, first of all, you can binge watch like I did. Go to their website, 1035.com, and click on their work, which is some of the Mountain Dew, Pepsi, General Mills, and there's some amazing work that they do in the videos. And if you go to their website, you'll see culture as a competitive advantage. And she has helped in, in a number of roles in her career from account supervision to production to project management. She's worked with clients like TikTok, McDonald's, Accenture, and many others. Janet, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're going to geek out of, I love when I read the intro, people, when I say systems and operations, no other people besides COOs and directors like smile. They like love, yeah. that's like music to their ears, right? Um, and we're going to talk about that, but just start off, tell people a little bit more about 1035 and what you do. Absolutely. So 1035 is based out of Chicago. Um, we are a uh, cultural marketing agency. So really focused on um, working with, um, you know, the black community, Latin community, um, LGBTQIA women, um, you know, all sorts of sort of, I would say, underrepresented uh, cultures in, in marketing and in advertising. And so I think um, one of my favorite things about what we do is we actually make a difference. You know, we're not just selling something. We are promoting um, how to, you know, get your small business off the ground uh, rather than just, like I said, selling something random. So yeah, I love it. And you help companies do that. Speak to everyone in the diverse yeah. world. And I remember when I went to your about, when I went to your page, I click about, and I'm, you know, slightly ADD. So I like scrolled <laughs> past the red part with the, you know, just to, I'm like, I want to see Jana before I talk to her and I'm scrolling through the pictures. I'm like, before I read what that language said, and I'm like, holy cow, they're a diverse company. I mean, you could see yeah. every walk of life on that. And then I scroll up and I'm like, oh, okay. It says we are 80% people of color. We're 70%. So I get it. So 
Yeah. Uh, it, it is amazing. You guys, you know, eat your own dog food and live it too. Um, so what I go, we're going to talk about when you came on, you help refine and start the product project management department. We'll walk through that, but I kind of want to start with, I don't know, maybe one of the fun campaigns that you saw the company work on. I don't know. You know, when I look here, you know, there's a Mountain Dew, there's a Pepsi. Is there a, a fan favorite with the company that you like to talk about? Sure. So we did one for um, a giant social media company uh, for Black History Month. And it was very, it was very cool. We did um, a virtual environment. We had a partner that helped us kind of develop that virtual environment. Um, I think one of the very cool parts of it was we really rocked out this campaign in like two months. So we've got, we got the go ahead beginning in January uh, where we did all of our planning during that month. And then uh, in February, we were all in execution mode for the entire month. So that one was um, really hit the ground running type of project, um, but was really just um, amazing and super fun, brought the team a lot closer together um, and the clients were amazing. So it was just, it was so fun. I want to, I love you saying that because it makes me think of the actual logistics have got to be a nightmare. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. It's just, there's so many moving pieces, especially when oh, you're yeah. dealing with celebrities and well-known people and we need to execute on this. So that's why we're going to dig deep about the whole project management piece, because to execute that over a year is difficult, let alone yeah. a couple months mm -hmm. seems like just a enormous undertaking. So when you step in, you're like, okay, I need to start this project management department. Where okay. do you start? Yeah. So, um, actually when I started, I, um, I started in November of 2020. So it was, you know, very interesting time, I think for the whole country. Um, I did start remote and at that time, I think we had probably 20, 25 people in the company. Um, I was actually brought on to support one of our other social media clients. And I very quickly got the feeling that um, the role was much bigger than what kind of everyone thought it was going to be. Um, at that time there, I think we had just one project manager. Like I said, it came in to support one of our clients and um, really quickly learned that I need to actually hire kind of a small army of um, project managers. And I have to create these processes and tools so that we can, you know, efficiently kind of run the company. Um, so my role grew very quickly. I would say within two weeks, I was already doing things on kind of an operations level rather than really ever running the project. So um, that's kind of where it started. Mm. And so now you're like, you get thrown. I mean, I feel like this, this must be pretty common in like a project management or operations role, because if you are a details person, you realize how much actually goes into all of this. And maybe if you're not like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. Just, just run this project. Like, wait, um, I need these 1700 other steps involved. So yeah. you step in, you're running the project, you realize, okay, we need a whole department for this. Um, yeah. Then, I mean, cause you have to run the project too. So then how do you start to build this out while you're still, you know, executing on the project? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing was, as I asked for a lot of patience um, while uh, we got the team together, because not only was this particular client in need of a project manager, but also we have, you know, several other giant clients that didn't have any project managers at all. So I would say because when I started, like I said, in November, by um, December, I think I had three project managers on the team. 
And that has just since grown. So like I said, when I started, we had about 20 people and right now we're sitting at about 80. So just to match the, um, you know, growth of our clients and our team in general, um, we, we also needed a bunch more project managers. So now I have a team of about 10 PMs that work with us. At what point do you, you know, cause all, a lot of companies start off they okay. They hire a project manager, then they have a second, they have a third. At what point do you feel, okay, we need really a department for this and managing it at that level? Yeah, I think it's just when um, the work becomes, you know, the work kind of tells you that it's time for that. Um, I think the idea all along was a department, whether it be smaller or a little bit bigger, um, we needed, that's what we needed to learn. But I think we knew all along that it was going to be a department, you know, um, and, and I think that has really benefited um, really everybody on the team. And I, I hear all the time, like, you know, we, we need someone for this, we need someone for that. So I think our worth has really, um, you know, been proven. And we continue to grow because with any new department, um, you know, there's a little bit of growing pains, right? You know, there's not always a clear definition of like what the account team does versus what the project management team does. So um, we've had to define that a lot and refine it um, as we've grown. And also there's nuances everywhere. So some people need, you know, certain tools that other teams and people don't need. So it's just, it's still a learning process all the way around. And I think um, everybody's comfortable with that. And as we see a new maybe task or a thing that a project manager can take on, or even the other way around, maybe like a production person or an account manager um, might be able to take, we do, we do shift like that. So I think the the biggest part is just being really flexible and adaptable to kind of what the projects and the company are are saying as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's also a very important piece of the department is that we sort of sit in the central location of the company. So we have account managers that are very specific on certain roles. Um, We call them planets. So planets are really just a group of accounts. Um, And we have three of those. (laughs) And so uh, again, each of those run a little differently, but I think um, you know, as we continue to uh, get different projects and different teams together, um, we need to be very conscious of, you know, again, that centralized location so that our project management team and our, you know, operations team in general kind of has our fingers in all the different areas of the company. And we have to um, do things consistently across the company, because if a client ever comes to a different planet, or if a PM ever moves to a different planet, um, and our internal teams, they all need to be familiar with kind of how things go. So process is a huge part of that. Jenna, talk to me about the structure for a second. So I mean, you could use any example in your head, it could be a Mountain Dew or Pepsi. Give me a sense of like, okay, here's how many project managers and above that who's helping this. And then, you know, like, how does the breakdown of the department as far as hierarchy go? Sure. So each of the planets, as I mentioned, has a group account director VP um, running that kind of book of business. Um, They also then have account directors underneath them, um, sometimes senior account directors, just depending. Um, Then there's account supervisors, account managers, sometimes account coordinators. um, And we really have a PM as a partner to the whole group. Um, most planets have two PMs, a couple of them have three. Um, and so generally that's the project makeup, um, on the, you know, very 
basic level. Uh, of course, we also have our creative team, our production team, strategy team, digital team, um, integrated communications. So all of them sort of have a similar structure, um, but you know, really we just kind of have one of those folks as a resource on um, the project from each of those departments. Um, and then, like I said, our PM team sort of sits in the middle. So they do, um, if you will, like live on a planet, but they report into me. So it ha we do have that kind of central central location. So each project manager will port to use head of the kind of the project management. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then they also very closely work with their account directors. So it's really kind of a dual leadership or mentorship um, for for those PMs, not only with me as their direct supervisor, but also, you know, they do work much more closely with those uh, account folks um, than they do with me. So I constantly have to check in with them, which again, gives me a lot of insight into kind of how the rest of the company is going, because I can see, you know, for example, if someone's having a challenge, um, I could say, well, this um, other PM is a great resource to help with that because they just went through that with this project or whatever it is, you know. And is this situation, is the is a point of contact for the other company, um, the client, the account director? Is that who the point of contact yes. is? Yeah, so we we really divide our account and project teams um, kind of client facing, they're, they're both client facing where they can be in, in most cases, but the account manager, account director will be the point of contact for the client. And then the um, PM is really in charge of kind of moving the train along on the internal side. So they'll coordinate with all those different departments, creative, um, you know, strategy, all that. I'm wondering um, the sexy topic of meetings, Jana. Oh, so yeah. I'm wondering how, you structure the meetings because I imagine there's a lot of logistics, a lot of stuff, especially when you're setting this stuff of the structure up and then even ongoing. What is the meeting uh, frequency type length look like with you and the PMs? And then we get to talk about kind of the PMs and their and their teams. But what what about with you? Uh, how did you structure that? Sure. So I definitely have one-on-one -on -one meetings with all my PMs. Um, some of them are once a week if they are kind of being onboarded or they're new or they need some support in, in a certain way. Um, but mostly I like to do it every every two weeks. Um, and really that's just because I have, like I said, 10, 10 PMs reporting to me. So I have to, I, I don't have time to do it all in one week. And then of course I meet with these um, group account directors, the VPs, um, all the other department heads as well. And then our CEO, um, our finance team, we have regular operations meetings. So, you know, just all these together combined with any new business that comes in or actual project that needs um, my attention. Um, so really it is, um, like I said, 30 minutes with my, um, my PMs uh, once or twice a week, um, 30 minutes with VPs and group account directors uh twice a week and or i'm sorry every other week um and then uh like i said just finance operations um most of the meetings i do run so i'm on camera a lot of time and i develop uh, agendas like every day i actually always have them up and just throw stuff in them as i see them come about um, but that's definitely one thing that i have instilled on the pms is that every single meeting has an agenda we have a template for it um, again, consistent template is going to be key for our internal teams and our clients so that everyone's kind of used to seeing the same stuff. Um, and really, uh, I think people 
would say that I'm most known for uh, closing out the meeting, uh, next steps, deliverables, deadlines, uh, when are we meeting again, things like that. Um, they always kind of like pause at the end. And, you know, if they're speaking, they'll even interrupt themselves to say like, I'm sure Jana has the next steps we need to talk about. So I'm kind of known for that. Which is important. It's like the follow-up. So it's not like a waste of time. It's like just a meeting yeah. to have a meeting. Exactly. You have to have like, what's next? What did we get out of this? Uh, many times there's a recap of like, okay, cool. Here's what we talked about. Here's the things that we have to tackle next. Um, also roles and responsibilities is huge because like I said, we have tons of different departments and people touching a lot of things. Um, we also work on a lot of fun stuff. So we have a culture committee um, that we do a lot of different activities for. We've recently done some things with um, Hispanic Heritage Month where we had a, one of the TED Talk speakers come for a lunch and learn. Um, we also do things with LGBTQIA. Um, probably I would say once a month or once every other month. Uh, we also have done some like tarot and astrology. So it's really fun. Um, but that's really important too, because those are kind of just volunteers um, jumping in to do what they can. So even if it's a creative person, they might be looking for a DJ on one of those things. So always recap with who's doing what. Walk me through a little bit about, I love that you have this structure to the meeting, which is important. So there's no guesswork and you can be really efficient with everyone's time and respectful. What does that look like? An example, agenda, not, not necessarily specifics, but like kind of, you said there's a kind of a template of things you want to run through. Mm -hmm. So we have a template um, for an agenda. It's kind of like, what's the item that we want to talk about? What are the discussion points? And then the, the last column is left empty. And that's for kind of notes that we take through. Um, one thing that I love about this template is that every time I have a new agenda for the same team, I just kind of put that new agenda on top of the old one. Um, so that we can kind of take like look at those notes as we've progressed in the discussion and maybe look back for a, a point that we may have missed. Um, so this is and also it provides just one place for people to go to see what we've had discussion tops of topics about and things like that. Um, and it's always shared with the team. So that's really the uh, structure of the actual template. Um, but really, um, I think the important thing too, is that at the end of each of those meetings, there's kind of this open forum situation where, you know, because I'm kind of leading these and building the agendas, and I don't always get input for them. I just kind of take things as they come to me. Um, I always like to give other people a chance to talk. And really most of the time when I do have these agenda topics, I'm kind of setting the stage for a further conversation rather than just like spewing out like, <laughs> this fact and that fact, you know. And then how do you deploy next steps or communication wise? I'm wondering, do you use like a project management tool? How do you, how do you communicate when you're not actually on the meetings? Exactly. So we do have many processes and tools that we use. We, we use Slack for internal communications. Um, we also have Basecamp, which is really helpful for giving those, you know, really next steps and the to do's. Um, we also use that with our clients, so it's really helpful there as well. Um, but Basecamp has a nice feature where you can kind of do things on the back end and then um, have the client see only what they're sort of ready to see. Um, so those things, uh, we also have a, a project management tool called WebVantage where we put our tasks into um, the tool and then our teams are able to allocate the hours to those tasks um, and then really just do their timesheet directly from the tasks. So that's very helpful. 
Um, we also use um, Smartsheet, which is really the best tool I've ever used for creating timelines. I mean, I know there's a million uses for it, but that's my my main and favorite way to use it. Um, so you so can see really, the project itself and like what yeah. laying everything out. High level. And then also things change so quickly that Smartsheet makes it very easy for you to just you know, if you create a dependency, you can go ahead and change one date and then everything that's dependent on that just automatically changes. Um, and we've also, um, we also use a, um, just a, something I developed. Um, it's called a master, master project spreadsheet. And so that has things like um, who the client contacts are, what are the specs and deliverables. Um, we copy the timesheet from, I'm sorry, the timeline from Smartsheet into our master spreadsheet. Um, and, and this has been really helpful. We also have um, a list of all the documents that we've collected and the folder on the server where it is. So really, again, one house for everything. That's kind of my favorite thing to say. Um, so everyone knows where to look. Everyone knows where to go. Everyone's got access to that. Um, yeah. So Jen, thanks for walking me through that because it's, it's a lot to manage. And so it's always good to hear tools. Um, you know, I would love to hear the, you know, you set this whole project management department up and, you know, setting anything up from even when there's a smaller team to larger, as opposed to something's in place is always uh, interesting. What, what was the biggest learning for you that if you go back to start another department, whether it's project management or something else that you're like, okay, I could have shortcutted my time on, on this if I knew this already. What was a, a learning from you uh, from setting this whole process up? Yeah, I think there's a couple. First of all, um, when it comes to tools, you know, you need to know what are the requirements of the tool. So, for example, if you have your accounting tied to time, you need to have that in the same tool. Um, and if you don't know that, then you're just kind of looking for a tool that isn't ever gonna work. So that's that's number one, is what are the requirements of really anything you wanna roll out? Um, number two, I think the, uh, another big thing I've learned is that you have to, when you are implementing a new tool, you have to be very explicit on why you're doing it because people are resistant to change. Um, and while a lot of people and all of leadership may say like, this is amazing, this is everything we've wanted, this is definitely something we need, um, a lot of times there's resistance on stuff like that. So you just have to be prepared and be very explicit on you know, why we're doing this, what benefits does it give us, because um, it may be switching, it, uh, sometimes switching yeah, from something yeah. to this. I gotcha. Exactly. Like, what does this give us that our previous tool didn't, you know, things like that? How does it really benefit the actual user of the tool? So that that is something I would say for sure to just kind of combat that resistance, um, especially when, you know, at 1035, some people have been with us for, for you know, 10 years and they, they're used to the old way. But when you grow from 20 to 80 people in six months, um, things aren't ever going to be the old way. So you just, everyone has to be like back to that flexible and adaptable, you know? Um, last question. And, and Jenna, first of all, thank you. Everyone check out 1035.com. You know, when you're onboarding and, and hiring this, this amount of growth, that's 
huge, right? Um, mm -hmm. What are some tips on helping to streamline and better onboard people? Yeah, that's a great question. I think onboarding, when I started, I think, you know, that was part of a challenge that we needed to to kind of get together because first of all, when you're onboarding someone remotely, it's it's not easy. It's not just like walking up to their desk and, and pulling them into a meeting just to listen, you know? So I, I think the first thing is that when, you know, it, it might be chicken before the egg type of thing, but, um, you know, you do need to have a good solid team. So one of the folks that I recruited right away was someone that I had used, uh, worked with previously. And um, this individual has been my right hand uh, really the whole time. So anytime I need to, uh, you know, like maybe I don't have time to onboard because I have to onboard kind of everyone in the company when it comes to these task tracking tools and any new tools that we kind of bring out, I have to have all these different meetings. And so, you know, really to support my, my project management team, um, one of our senior project managers really helps me to uh, kind of manage the team and address some of those, um, you know, anything that might come up. So I think, you know, when it comes to onboarding, having a team of support is really helpful. Like I said, chicken or the egg, but um, that's going to be really helpful. And then I think another thing is really just making sure you're prepared. So I have um, an overview deck that I share with, you know, every new person. And at first it was, we were onboarding just so quickly that I had like 10 people on a call every week, you know? And so it was nice to be able to like on Thursdays at two o'clock, this is when we have the onboarding meeting. But then as you know, things sort of taper off when it comes to hiring, I have to just make sure I get all those folks in. And I think, you know, the other thing is communication. So when, um, when the leadership team gets together every week, um, you know, I always learn about who's coming on board, if anyone's leaving, how do we have to shift things? And so really just keeping that communication open so I can get to onboard all those people. Um, and then I have a plan too. So when it comes to onboarding, I have only a small part. Uh, these account teams have to, um, you know, bring their folks up to speed on where the, the project is or what, you know, the account is, who is their client, things like that. Um, so it's not just me. It's really just, you know, it takes a village. Totally. Gentlemen, the first one to thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your knowledge. Everyone should check out 1035.com, Culture as a Competitive Advantage. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's